Tiro kinga waio toke rau e hora nei me he pipi fororua takoto te pai takoto te pai fiti fiti ta 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 fiti fiti ta 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 hera taua kitu a takoto te pai takoto te pai kiora tata what we just just shared is a tau para para. Can you say tau para para? Oh, kawai. A tau para para is our, a little way of speaking that starts whenever we do fai kōrero, or uh, different types of mihi. Now this one, ka nuku nuku, ka niki niki, we're going to get into it a little bit later in my talk. But what I want to just start with is say that this tau para para like, requires a little bit of audience participation. Otherwise, I feel real down and I feel like I'm not supported when I stand up here. So the way it goes is the person leading it will start with, oh, can we get that back up, sorry? We'll start with, then everybody supporting that person will go, and a little bit more here now. Fiti fiti ta ta ta. Fiti fiti. See if I, I need to feel the, the 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 love. Otherwise, I stand up here and I feel like I'm by myself and not being supported. So it's got to be loud. The louder you are, the more I know that I've got, that you guys are behind me in what I'm saying. So we're gonna go through it one more time from the beginning, okay? Ready? Let's all stand up, Katu. A round of applause, everybody. It may seem random to do that to start with, but we will get back into it. So, kia ora everybody. My name is Sam Hinari, uh, and it is my privilege to get to continue our series in Advent this morning, focusing on the kaupapa of hope, which we've been doing over the last few weeks, looking through the Magnificat, or the Song of Mary, uh, the Song of Rejoicing of Mary to God. Now, this song is, is a very interesting song. We've got to look a little bit beforehand to kind of understand a little bit more about that song. So we know the classic story. We know that the angel comes to Mary and says, Mary, you're going to have a baby. Uh, you're out of wedlock, you're going to have this baby. And this baby is going to be the son of the Lord Most High, uh, who is going to rule the earth. And Mary, in her response, is, you can imagine just the, the oh, wow, okay. This is actually a big deal. Uh, knowing the, the, the hardships that she's going to face as a wahine who is pregnant and not married. Uh, and then what is, what is her husband going to think? You know, we, we all know this story, right? The angel then appears to Joseph uh, and a similar thing. And you, you imagine Joseph going, oh, wow, okay, this is going to be really hard. And you see Mary uh, kind of sitting with this tension of being like, I really want to serve God, I really want to do something, I'm going to go for it, but it's still going to be really hard right now in what I'm facing. 
Mary then goes to see somebody called Elizabeth. And the Bible says this, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. Uh, sorry, it makes sense that you know that Elizabeth is pregnant at this point as well. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is this child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now in this moment, a very scared and uncertain Mary feels vindicated that her baby is going to be what the angel said it was going to be. Where before, I don't know if you've had these thoughts before of you, something's happened and you go back and you think, did that actually happen? And you can't actually quite make it out. And, and you, did that, did the angel actually come to me? Did this actually happen? And maybe Joseph, did this happen? And then to see that Elizabeth is saying, wow, the, filled with the Holy Spirit, here comes the lady who's carrying the Lord. The vindication that, that Mary must feel in this moment she then bursts out with this cry, this Magnificat. So that is the, what happens before. So we need to know that to understand how Mary then cries out in this amazing prayer, this amazing song to the Lord. Now, this morning, as I said, I'm gonna look at hope. I was looking, uh, the Māori word for hope is tūmanako. Now, I was looking, because often in Māori words, we can get a different type of meaning and a really... It really changes our perspective, but this one it doesn't, I'm afraid, so I got nothing for you, <laughs> this one. So unfortunately, we've had to go to Hebrew instead, which isn't quite as good. But um, So in the Old Testament, we have three different uh, Hebrew definitions of hope. Batak, to rely on someone or something, that's one definition. Kasar, which refers to ideas of shelter. And Yakal, which is waiting for an unexpected good. Now, I believe that in the Magnificat, we see all of these three versions of hope on display. Can we get the, the reading back up there, please? Cool, thank you. Ah, cool, thank you. So we see Batak, that the reliance on someone or something, we see that in verses 46 to 49. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. Now, this is a response from Mary after her reliance on God. She has been relying on God, and God has once again been able to prove in himself faithful and has come through for Mary. So we see Batak in this verse. We then see Kassar, which is the, by the way, I'm probably, I'm one of these people, I get really hoha when people butcher Maori words, and I'm probably doing this to the Hebrew words right now, so I'm really sorry. Next one, Kassar, which was referring to this idea of shelter we see in verses 49 to 53. For the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away. Here we understand this idea of the shelter of God over Mary at this point. Uh, not just an idea of shelter, but of real protection that when people are out to get her, then he will scatter those people. He will scatter these, uh, the people who are coming to do wrong things against her. So we see and understand this idea of kasar or of shelter in the Magnificat. And lastly, Yakal, uh, which is verses 54 to 55, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he has made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. So just as Mary's tupuna were waiting on God in the Old Testament for God to provide, 
and God to come through. So Mary has waited and God has yet again proven himself to be faithful. I don't know, I find that really encouraging for us today as well. Now, I've got here, I was looking up a few definitions of hope we've got. So hope is looking forward in confidence to a future good. I don't know, I just wonder before, before I keep going, is my question to us all this morning is, where is your hope placed in at this time of the year? Where is your hope placed in right now this morning? Have an internal moment to think about yourself. Is your hope going, oh, I just hope I got enough money to get through these next few weeks? Or is your hope in someone else thinking, oh, I hope this person will react to this way to this situation? My question for us all this morning is, where is our hope placed in? And it's not to be like, ah, you're wrong. But it's just helpful for us, I think, to think for each of us and ourselves to take a moment to go, God, where is our hope? Where is our, what is our hope for the future placed in? Is it in money? Is it in a job? Is it in a certain situation resolving itself? I don't know. I think it's just helpful to ponder these things. Now, this song, oh, sorry, I'll keep going with this definition. In the Old Testament, hope is founded on the religious narrative of Israelite history. These narratives are punctuated by the promises of Yahweh expressed as, gov- as covenants with all God's creation and with Israel. So the people of Israel, their idea of hope was based in these covenants that God had made with his people previously. These promises that God had made and they'd been able to see how their tupuna had reacted to these promises, looked for hope and how God had pulled through for them. So again, in the New Testament, this is what we see. And it's interesting because this song, uh, as Mary said in her corridor the other week, was based on Hannah and Hannah's song uh, in 1 Samuel 2. Hannah, uh, wahine, who could not have kids, and she turns to God and says, God, please, this is humiliating for me. I feel I could not continue on our whakapapa line. Our generations cannot continue. God, I need you to pull through. God, if you pull through for me, then I will give you this child. This child will come and live and serve in service to you. And what does God do? God proves himself faithful to Hannah and provides a child for Hannah. Now, it's interesting because in the Old Testament, there is a really, um, there's a, 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 an interesting whakapapa of women struggling to get pregnant or with this idea of conception. We have Sarah, with Abraham's wife, Sarah, uh, who's uh, very old. Now remember that she's been promised that these generations will come from, from her, but she's, a, she's an old lady and to the point where she gets told, she's so old she gets told by someone, you will have a child and she laughs and scorns at this. But God proves himself faithful. Isaac's wife, Rebecca, similarly, and then she has Jacob. Rachel, which is Jacob's wife. Jacob actually has two, two wives, which we're not going to go into right now. But the first wife has lots of kids, while Rachel sits there going, God, what about me? Why have I been forgotten? And then God provides and she, get, provides and she gives birth to Joseph. Samson's mother, she's unnamed in the Bible, but again she struggles with trying to conceive and God proves himself faithful. And then as we said, Hannah, uh, who pours her heart out to God in this other prayer, and God again provides with Samuel. You see, Mary was able to stand in a line of wahine who God had provided for. Now, admittedly, the situation is slightly different with Mary. She wasn't struggling to conceive, but she had conceived. But regardless of, she was able to stand in this line of Papa and see how God had proved himself faithful time and time and time. And as she comes in and meets with Elizabeth, again, God has proven himself to be faithful. 
The last two lines of the Magnificat, that he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Mary is bringing up these promises that were made to Abraham, these promises of hope that were given to him in Genesis. What were these promises? In Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. These were promises given to Abraham in a time where it probably didn't look like those promises were gonna come true. As he was just leaving the land, feeling like an outsider, God then puts these amazing uh, call and makes this amazing covenant with Abraham on what's about to happen. Now, what that meant is that when Abraham went through the rest of his life and he went through hard times, he was able to look back and go, but God, you said this. Although the situation seems terrible, you said this. So it comes to the time when they're, they're getting older and they're unable to have a child, but Abraham's going, but God, you said we'd be a great nation. You promised this to me. You made this covenant with me. But where, where's, where's the evidence of this? We can't even have kids and Sarah scorns and laughs thinking this is never gonna happen. It's easy for us to go, oh, Sarah, how can you scorn? When I'm pretty sure I would have scorned as well if I was in that situation. You know, it's easy for us. And so this is then, this idea is then tested yet again when God turns to Abram and says, after he's already provided the son, Isaac, he turns to Abram and says, that son that I've provided for you, I'd like you to sacrifice to me now. Now, for us in the 21st century, we go, oh, that's pretty, that's pretty, that's not, not, not a very nice thing for God to be doing. Now, yeah, yeah, correct, Kapai. It's not, it's, it's, it's a hard, it's a struggle to how we hold that intention. But what we've got to understand is Isaac is not the point of that story. Abraham is the point of that story. And now, people who would have been reading it in that time would not have been thinking of Isaac, but they'd been thinking of Abraham and what Abraham's response would have been to when God said this, when God asked him to sacrifice his son. The other thing we get caught up on is we get caught up on the idea that it is just a son. Isaac is so much more than just a son to Abraham. But Isaac is a fulfillment of this promise, of this covenant that God had said to Abraham earlier. That if Abraham was to get rid of Isaac, then he'd be starting all over again. But Abraham, knowing full well what God had already promised, he's able to look forward with hope and say, God, you who have promised so much before and have proven yourself faithful, 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 I know, I don't understand how it's gonna work, but you're gonna provide. And Genesis tells us, that as Abraham raises the knife to strike down his son, uh, God intervenes. It says, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. You see, God has taken this promise that he's given to Abraham, seen Abraham's obedience, and then promised so much more on top of that. Yes, the original covenant, I will make you a blessing to all nations, I will make you a great nation, suddenly becomes, I will make you numerous beyond the stars and the sky. I will make you more numerous than the sand on the seashore. And often we hear this terminology when we hear of God, he's called the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I was always wondered, why are, we, why are we pulling these three people out? But it's because this covenant that God made was given to Abraham 
it was then continued to Isaac and continued to Jacob. So when we hear the terminology, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we're hearing he is the God who fulfills his covenant and holds and is faithful. He is the God who, uh, in, who, who, who is the embodiment of all hope. Now, as Christians, we're a, we're, as Christians, we're a people of whakapapa. Uh, we're able, we have this amazing book, the Bible, which is all the whakapapa of what it means to be Christian. Now, we can look back at that whakapapa and take heart from that for ourselves and see what God has done and provided and use that as we go into the future, saying, God, I know you've done this for people before. I know you can do it again in my life. But in Aotearoa, both Māori and Pākehā, we are people of whakapapa. We have a whakapapa in this land of God moving in this land. And it's a rich whakapapa. The famous story is uh, between two men, uh, uh, a man called Samuel Marsden and a man called Ruatara. Now Samuel Marsden was an a Anglican minister who came out and was living in Sydney at the time, was, uh, felt very called to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. And you couldn't get much more further as the ends of the earth than Aotearoa. So Samuel Marsden is in Sydney at this time. And at this time, this is, we're talking probably like 1810 kind of time period. Um, and Māori at that time were beginning to be aware of the impacts of globalization and what else was going on. And so they began to be making these trips out into Sydney, a few over to the UK. Uh, Ruatara is the, actually the nephew of the famous chief Hongi Hika. Uh, if you know anything about Hongi, he made his big trip overseas to the UK where he, he met the king at the time and came back with a whole load of guns and started something called the Musket Wars um, where he just made his way down the country and absolutely obliterated a lot of other iwi. Uh, Therefore, as somebody from the north myself, it is right that I mihi to the people of Tamaki Makaurau of Ngati Pawa, who Hongi came in and decimated. Uh, and it is right for me to acknowledge my place as I stand here as a man from Ngapuhi Ngati Hine uh, to acknowledge them this, uh, this morning. So Ruatara. He began to get treated terribly. He was very interested in, in what was happening else out in the world, and so he began to sail on these ships with different captains. Uh, one ship he sailed on, as they began to make their way to Australia, they came into a storm, and Ruatara was actually left on a rock in the middle of the Pacific Ocean for three months. Um, him and uh, about, I think it was 20 to 30 other crew members who survived for this three months on seal blubber, apparently, according to the story, uh, with no fresh water. Ruatara was then picked up by another ship and the ship's captain said, well, we're going to go to the UK if you'd like to come with us and, and lend a hand because of your status as a nephew of a rangatira, I promise you that you'll be able to have a meeting with the king when we get to the UK. Obviously, a promise this random ship captain couldn't, <laughs> couldn't fulfill. Ruatara ends up going over to the UK where he's then held as a slave on board the ship and told, actually, we're just tricking you. You're going to be our slave. You're going to work for us. At this point, Samuel Marsden was happened to be in the UK and began to make his way back over to this side of the world. And when he was on his ship called the Active, it began to sail over, and he, the, the account says that Samuel Marsden peered through the dark 
And as he peered through, he, he, he's, he saw the outline of a dark-skinned man and recognized Ruatara because Ruatara had been in Sydney with him previously. And Samuel Marzin basically said, what are you guys doing? This is the son of, a nephew of Hongi Hika. Like, this is going to end really badly for all you guys if you keep this going. And he rescued Ruatara and nursed him back to full health. Now, the story goes that at that moment, there was a sharing of ha between Samuel Marzin and Ruatara, a sharing of breath, a sharing of spirit. Um, now, I don't know. I wasn't there. I can't comment on that. But it does feel that God had got this written down somewhere, that God had intended. This feels like the plan of God uh, for reasons as we will soon see. They arrive back in Sydney, nurse back to full health, and Samuel Marsden and Ruatara begin to trade uh, kōrero. Samuel Marsden begins to learn te reo Māori, Ruatara begins to learn English, and eventually they decide that they're going to come to Aotearoa to start te hahi mihinari, uh, the church over here. And in 1814, that's exactly what happens. Ruatara actually comes a few months before Samuel Marsden and begins to lay the foundation, uh, begins to prep the iwi on what's about to happen. Samuel Marsden comes over, and on December, it's, why, it's a nice story because we're coming up to Christmas, so it, it links in nicely. Uh, on the 25th, on Christmas Day, uh, they start the service in Oihi Bay, where all, many iwi of the north of Taitokiro are gathered around at Oihi Bay. And they start with a himene, the first himene, which is the, um, the one we know, that um, praise God to whom all blessings flow. Yeah, we know the one. I don't need to sing the whole thing. That's right. But this is the himene that they start with. Uh, then Samuel Marsden preaches from Luke 2, verse 10, where he says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. While Samuel Marsden is preaching, Ruatara is standing next to him translating. Now, this is where the history gets a little bit complicated. Some people say Samuel Marsden had learned te reo Māori flawlessly and was able to execute this preach. That makes me really jealous if he could, because I've been going at this for a while, and I'm still probably not quite there. Regardless, and other people say that Ruatara was translating. Now, regardless, Ruatara probably would have been translating worldview as well, so it wouldn't have just been uh, uh, word for word. Ruatara had a pretty hard job with what he was, <laughs> what he was going through at this part. And actually, the response from Ngāpuhi was they actually said, we don't, we don't quite understand what's going on here. And Ruatara goes, that's okay. In time, this message is going to make sense to you, and you're going to tend to it. Now, at that point, the tribes of the north respond with something called a hari. Now, hari is, a, you, you might know the word harikua for happy, but hari, same kind, of, same kind of concept for joy. And the hari, which is now called tahari ngāpuhi, which is the... the this kind of the hari, the joy of Ngāpuhi, is what we did, went through earlier before. Kanukunuku, kanekineki. So we go through it. Kanukunuku. Kanukunuku. Titiro ki ngā waiyo tokero e horanei. Mehe pipi, parauroa takoto te pai, takoto te pai. Fiji, Fiji. The meaning of this hari, kanuku nuku kanekineki, means this. I move, I move to the side. I'm moving. I'm making room for what is being brought here. So kanuku nuku kanekineki. We're making room for what is being brought here. 
Titiro ki ngā wai o tokerau e horanei. Look to the waters of Northland that are spread out before us. Mehe pipi wharaurua, takoto te pai, takoto te pai. Like the bird, the pipi wharaurua, lay down what is good amongst us. Now this bird, the pipi wharaurua, is an interesting bird because it's a migratory bird. So it will, at certain times of the year, we'll head overseas. Now when it comes back to Aotearoa, what this bird does is it lays its egg inside the nest of another bird. Uh, usually this other bird is called the riroriro, and, it, and it, it basically gets rid of all the eggs out of the nest of the riroriro and lays its own egg in this nest. So what do you think they, the iwi of the north were saying at this point? They were saying, we've heard this gospel. We might not fully understand it yet at this point, but we want this gospel to be laid amongst us. We want to receive this gospel. Now the point as well of the pipi whararoa it lays its egg, and the riroriro bird actually looks after the egg and raises this egg. So yes, come and bring the gospel and lay it amongst us. Let us receive the gospel, but it's going to become an indigenized version of that gospel. It will be the same truth, but an indigenous outlook on that gospel. It will be a Maori uh, understanding of what that's to look like. We then go on. Oh, then, takoto te pai, takoto te, lay, lay down what is good amongst us. Fiti, fiti, tata, tata, fiti, fiti, tata, tata. As the bird crosses over and it's getting closer and closer to us, hira taua kitoe comes from beyond the horizon. Takoto te pai, takoto te pai. Lay down what is good, lay down what is good. Now, the Reverend Tehira Painga describes this moment as the first theological response of Māori to the gospel. This is the response. And man, what an exciting response it is. Now you think from this moment, you go, well, the gospel's about to go nuts in this country. This is like, there's going to be mass revival. Unfortunately, it's not how the story goes. At this point, the gospel that got placed in this land from that first corridor, that first koho, became a different gospel. And it did not become a way for Māori to respond to the gospel but at the same time in the UK, there was something called the Oxford Movement, which was uh, bringing the Anglican Church back to very strict Roman Catholic ways of tikanga. And uh, that was what was enforced in this country. All these kind of laws came in. And it was not the gospel that the North originally responded to. Now, regardless of that, we do see over time the gospel begin to flourish. I'm not going to go into all these stories now because I'm speaking for too long as it is. But we have stories, I'm going to shout, I'll say some names out and then in your own time you can look at these stories. But we have stories of the little girl Tarore, uh, who was carrying the gospel around her neck, was killed. This gospel was then taken and read by other iwi and, this, and these people began to turn their lives to God. This then had impacts into the south of the, the North Island, Upoko Otika, Maui. Uh, to somebody called Tamihana Teraupuraha and his cousin Martini Tafifi. If we know Tamihana, do we know the name Teraupuraha? Is that the name of the rangatira who wrote Kamate that the All Blacks do? His son, Tamihana Teraupuraha, he gets hold of this version of the gospel and it just transforms his life to the point where they're iwi down there trying to kick him out and he leaves and goes and sits on an island with his cousin and they just have prayer meetings and reading the Bible constantly for, for months at a time. You know when people will say, Oh, Māori just turned to Christianity because of blankets? Oh, what a load of rubbish. <laughs> what a load of rubbish. This is genuine God moving in this land. Tamihana and his cousin Martini Tafifi, then they make the trip up to Peo Whairangi, to the Bay of Islands. And this isn't a hop in your car. 
go up there and it will take 13 hours. This is our, our walking kind of journey, not on any <laughs> highways, but making your way through bush to get up there. They get up there and they say, we, we, need, we need missionaries. We need people who can come and teach us down here. And uh, the missionaries in the, at the, at the Impul Whairangi, they say, well, there's this guy here. His name's Octavius Hadfield. Maybe he'll go. And Hadfield, his response is, he's a, he's a young guy, but very sick. And he goes, I'm probably going to die anyway, so I might as well go. This is something I'd be happy to give my life to. He lives to a very old age and establishes an amazing ministry in Porirua, Waikanae, and Otaki. So it's an amazing history that we've got in this land. From then, after Tamihana receives these words of this training from Octavius Hadfield, he then goes and takes the gospel into Ngaitahu, into the South Island. And I'm going to stop there because I'm not doing justice of telling these stories because I'm having to shoot over them so quickly. But please, research our history of this land. Research the whakapapa of this land. It is so rich. And in times like today, I turn on the news and I get so upset with what I see is happening to our real Māori. And I go, actually... God, I look to the past and I see that you have a hope of, of, of how Parker and Māori can work together in this land. And I, as Mary did, I will look back and go, God, I will hold on to that hope and what has happened there and it will give me such hope for the future. Now, we've talked about this hope. <clears throat> we've talked about it in the Old Testament. We've talked about it in Aotearoa. But what exactly is this hope? What is this hope that we're talking about? Well, it's the same hope that was given to Abraham and the same hope that was given to Mary. This idea of being a blessing to all nations was to become the embodiment of a little baby Jesus, the embodiment of hope to us. Now, one of the, to some iwi, the Māori creation story is that of Ranginui and Papatuanuku. Ranginui, the sky father, and Papatuanuku, the earth mother. Now, these two... Oh, we got a nice picture up there. These two were in like this. They were the sky and the earth together in this perfect relationship. As they stayed there, they were able to spend all this time together, spend time bonding, a little bit of lovemaking and all of that. But it was this perfect relationship between Ranginui and Papa Tuanuku. Now for us, we were destined to be in this perfect relationship with God. That is the relationship we were called to be and to live into. And we see glimpses of it. In, in, in Genesis, in, in Eden, it talks about how God would walk through the garden with Adam and Eve. This is this relationship we're called to be into with God. But something got in the way. In the story of Ranginui and Papatuanuku, they had a son whose name was Tane Mahuta. And Tane was sick of his parents being stuck together, so he put his shoulders onto the floor, onto Papatuanuku, and his, it's this amazing kind of backwards handstand thing. And his... Uh, feet he put up onto Ranginui and he pushed and he separated Ranginui and Papatuanuku. Now for us, the Bible lets us know, and the Bible doesn't really need to let us know this, but the Bible lets us know that we've all done things wrong. It says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now our sin worked in that same way as Tane that separated Rangi and Papa. In that same way, our sin has separated us from having this perfect relationship with, with God. Now, I know it wouldn't take much for us to think, have we really sinned? I'm sure if you thought back half an hour, you'd be able to think of a few times where you've probably done something wrong or, wrong or thought something wrong. Uh, I'm sure it's not just me. But when we were furthest away from God, when we couldn't be in this relationship with the Holy of Holies, when we were at the point where we were in our deepest and our worst sin, 
That's when Jesus came for us. That's when Jesus came for us and died on that cross. That when Jesus died on the cross, he took all those things that we had done wrong, all those things that we will done wrong, and as he died and declared, Lord, it is finished, so those things died with him. And as he rose, he made a way for all of us to be back into this perfect relationship with God. Now, I know that the majority of us know this story, but let's take heart in it again. Let's live in this again, knowing that this is what our faith is. Our faith is knowing that it is Jesus Christ through his coming, through his death, and through his resurrection that we found a way to be back in this perfect relationship with him. So as opposed to Rangi and Papa, whose son was there as a means of separation, Jesus Christ, the son of God, came as a means of pulling us back together into relationship with God. Uh, one of the key Māori concepts is a word called tūranga waiwai. Can we get that up there? Tūranga waiwai. So here we have tūranga waiwai is one of the most well-known and powerful Māori concepts. Literally, tūranga, standing place, waiwai feet. It is often translated as a place to stand. Tūranga waiwai are places where we feel especially empowered and connected. They're our foundation, our place in the world, our home. Now, as Christians, we stand in the fact that Jesus Christ is our tūranga waiwai. We know from the fact that we can look at these kinds of verses and we can, uh, these kind of statements and say, Tūranga Waiwai are places we feel especially empowered. When you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, that is a place where we find power. True power is found in Jesus Christ. He empowers us. We talked about Mary and the Magnificat and the, the marginalized. The marginalized can find power in Jesus Christ. All of us can find power through Jesus Christ. The places where we feel connected. Jesus says that the way to God, the way to the Father is through me. Through Jesus is our way of connection. He's our means of connection. He's our foundation, our place in the world, and our home. All these things as a Christian we rely on as we stand on Tūranga Waiwai, knowing that Jesus is that for all of us. I'm just so encouraged that we can look back at our history, see where we've come from, Look forward into hope, knowing that as we hold on to Jesus Christ, that he will be there for each and every one of us. He has proven himself faithful before he will prove himself faithful again. The hope of Abraham continues through to us today, as we have a hope that is found in Jesus Christ. That no matter what we're going through, no matter what situations we're facing, whether we're going through a good time currently or a hard time currently, we stand on Jesus Christ, our tūranga waiwai, knowing that he will provide again and again. I'm going to close up. What I want to leave us with is with these ideas of these promises of hope. Now, for some people here, maybe you had a promise of hope. Maybe someone's prophesied over you in the past. Maybe you felt God speaking to you in the past, and you say, God, you said this. I haven't yet seen it come through. If you are the God of covenant and the God of promise, then, then why is this not happening for me? And I'd love to have this moment, open this moment up to God. Let's be honest with God. It might hurt. Let's open this up to God. Afterwards, there will be people down here we can pray, who will be there to pray with you. Tell them as much or as little as you like. It's actually between you and God, first and foremost. There might also be people here who go, I've never had a promise. I've, I've not heard God speak to me about anything. And right now in this current situation, I need to hear that. I'm facing some things that hard. Maybe you heard what I said about the whakapapa of wahine unable to conceive. You know, God, 
that is what I long for. I've been struggling with this. God, this is what I long for. Let's pour ourselves onto Jesus this morning. The God who has proven himself faithful will prove himself faithful again. He will prove himself faithful over and over and over. Maybe this morning as we've talked about the history of the Old Testament, you thought that's the covenant I want to enter. Maybe it's when we've talked about the history of Aotearoa, you've thought, well, maybe God, I long to know more about the whakapapa of this land that I can stand in as well. Or maybe God is saying something completely different or nothing at all, and that's all good. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to hand over. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning as your children, as sons and daughters of God. We know through our history you have proven yourself faithful to us time and time again. God, in this situation, whatever we're facing, we call for your faithfulness again, Lord. We know you won't let us down. We know that. And we call upon your name this morning. Holy Spirit, come and move amongst us this morning. I'd just like to encourage you where you are. Maybe just, I like to hold my hands out when I pray. It's nothing religious, but it's just a way of me saying, God, I'm here. Uh, God, I'm ready to receive. If you feel you want to do that, you go for it. There's absolutely no, don't have to at all. But we stand before you, God, humbly saying, God, here we are. Come and speak to us. Come and give promises. Come and give life to old promises, Lord. God, we long for you. Father, we thank you that you sent your son to get rid of all of the sin that we had in us, all of these bad things that was in us, so that you've made a way for us to enter into this relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus. We've heard this story time after time, but we we choose to rejoice in it time after time, knowing what it means for us as Christians. God, we cannot just sit here as we hear these words and remain neutral. God, we either choose to go towards you or away. God, we choose towards you, Lord. We thank you for who you are, for what you've done, Father. And we say, Lord, come and do new things amongst us as Akutina Tapu, as St. Augustine's, Lord. We pray do new things amongst us as a church. Father, speak new things to us. Bring up these old promises for us as a church. Let us step into this history, Lord that you are hope, you are promised covenant God. Lord, we just give this all to you, Father. Amen.